Hello again to all you Building a Better Story World faithful out there. Steel Philippec here with a new slate of episodes to help you inspire your audiences to take part in your imaginative universe. This is the podcast for dreamers, for creators, for those who want to know how to engage or how you yourself are engaged by worlds of wonder. We're now on to the next segment in our arc all about fan engagement. These tools are particularly potent on social media, where their practical application emerged, but they work just as well in traditional media as well. As a reminder, the vowels are A. Ask, asking your audience to take part, even in some small way. E. Express, expressing an opinion, style, or idiom that is distinct from other creators, but also just familiar enough that people aren't totally weirded out. I. Incentivize, creating a goal-reward scenario, that is, building a goal for your audience and then rewarding them. O. Offer, what are your offerings to your fan base beyond your main media? U. Utility. Some small bit of easily used information or skill that you give to your audience that is incidental to your larger point. Today we're dealing with the big O, offer. In the social, new, and transmedia spaces, this doesn't refer to the classic limited time offer, though Kickstarters function on that metric quite well. Think about how you can include your process as a reward. Things like the script for the movie you're making, behind-the-scenes footage. Think about experiential things. Think about digital things. Those who listened to the last episode will recall that this is more indicative of the I in the vowels, incentives. You do that, you get this. This episode is brought to you by Skillshare. The first thousand people to use the link in the description will get a one-month free trial of Skillshare Premium. The offers we're talking about are more of a soft sell in that they are all about what you're offering. What are the things you're serving up to your audience? You'll have a main channel or media, but within that channel, you might offer multiple types of content, like how David Pakman has his main news shows. Let's get right into it. I told you based on her campaign launch video on um, Tuesday, that Nikki Haley seems to be making the argument. I'm like Trump, but younger and a woman, which, by the way, is identity politics, which we'll talk about later, but also provides clips. Speaking of non candidates, Ron DeSantis from Florida, we know that he's adopted a lot of Donald Trump's mannerisms and in speaking, including this accordion hands thing that Donald Trump does very often. He also now seems to be copying how Donald Trump says China and interviews. Today we are joined by Pandora Box from RuPaul's Drag Race season two, All Stars one and six, critically, and also the new Tubi show The Dish, drag queen comedian Pandora Box. Really a pleasure to have you on today. Oh, thank you. And I thank you for calling me a comedian. I appreciate that. Well, it's in the notes, <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> among much else. Let's try Ricky from Charlotte and see if Ricky from Charlotte can help us recover. Um, Ricky, welcome to the program. What's on your mind today? Hey, David, can you hear me? I can hear you beautifully. Think of the O and offer then as a menu you're providing for your audience. They've come to your Italian restaurant, so they're expecting a certain kind of cuisine, but how you serve it and in what quantities depends on you. The reward is in that which is served itself. This is one of the keys to long-form success in digital media. There are tens of thousands of film review channels on YouTube. Each that has succeeded has to have understood its ask, form of expression, variable incentives, and utilities, but their offerings are what truly set them apart. One voice critiquing film might be intriguing, but it will get pretty one note pretty quickly. Thus, each channel has to also offer something a little different to make sure their content stands out and to woo potential audiences with a unique look at films. To help exemplify this, let's take a look at Red Letter Media. Hello, I'm Mike. And I'm Jay. And today, we're here to tell you about our Patreon. That's right, Mike. It's been a while since we've talked about it, so why not? 
That's right, Jay. And in case you didn't know, Patreon is a tiered subscription site that we're a part of, where you can access exclusive RLM content, like text updates about what we're working on, what we're shooting, maybe even when our next video's coming out, and even movie recommendations. Mike Staglasa founded this media review and production channel in 2004, taking on Jay Bauman as a co-lead shortly thereafter. Along with Mike Evans and numerous other guests and contributors, the group has been active since 2007, crafting and critiquing media with both snark and pointed film criticism. The first half is boring, depressing, almost incoherent. There's no narrative thrusts. It's just sort of scenes Scenes. happening. Uh And it's like... Close up, close up, close up, close up in another location. So I guess we're in a new scene. There's no establishing shots throughout the entire movie. Creators take note. If you go back and watch the earliest content created by Red Letter Media, you'll note a significant increase in quality over the years. Let that be a lesson to all of you thinking about making content online. Don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. You can learn on the job. Better your skills and put your work out there while, at the same time, building an audience. Don't wait for all the stars to align. Take a chance and produce something that is in your voice. Also note that there was a lot of content that Red Letter Media produced early on that's quite dissimilar from their current offerings. They recorded every punch to the face from Roadhouse. Covered video games via their GameStation reviews. Hi, I'm Tara, and welcome to GameStation 2.0 and generally did more skits and sketches. My boss, Mr. Plankett's got this secret room in the basement and he's keeping these things down there <laughs> and they're strong and fast and ravenous and they killed Kyle. It's tearing on my feet! Oh yeah? Huh. Mike J. Rich et al. still produce such content on a less regular basis, but they've winnowed their content down to critiques of film and television in various formats. Those formats have coalesced over the years into a regular stable of content, stuff that their audiences have come to know, understand, and expect. Though they produce numerous entries in Review and The Best of the Worst, more of which in a moment, I'd argue that their primary vehicle for fan engagement is their offering in the form of Half in the Bag. Half in the Bag. In each entry, series regulars discuss a recent media release. These tend to open with a short skit depicting the participants as VCR repairmen or their customers. Uh, Mike, since you're done with that book, do you want to go see a movie? Sure, Jay. How about we go see Birds of Prey? Yeah. Hmm, would you have any more interest in that movie if they changed the title? Yeah. Followed by an overview and initial impressions. It's, I think, a really interesting movie. We haven't talked about it yet. I, I enjoyed it a lot. I, I didn't think it was amazing. There's a, like a dated quality to it, which I love. I, I, I was going to say, that's what I liked about it. It felt very old-fashioned. It felt very 90s. Mm. It didn't feel 70s. No, and that's important to point out, is that this is not... The Shining. This is not someone trying to make a Kubrick movie. Right. Uh, and that's to the movie's benefit because you can't do that. Uh, it's doing its own thing. It's an X-Men movie. And then later, more detailed and spoiler-laden commentary, typically in a chronological fashion. Like, I don't know, This, I think this has to do with just how they shot it, but like, yeah, it's it probably exacts like to, to the centimeter recreations of the sets. But they don't feel as big, and I think that's just like Kubrick loves wide lenses, so it all feels much larger. Sure. And in this movie, it, it's the exact same sets, but they, they don't feel as large. And I think it's just probably how it was shot. Before a final summation. Part of the reason we're talking about it, I think it will have legs. Like, nobody saw it in the theater, but I think it's a, I think it's a really, it's not a perfect movie, but it's an interesting movie. 
and especially the fact that it's a sequel to a Kubrick movie that works as its own thing mm-hmm. and doesn't isn't like an, an embarrassing mess is <laughs> impressive. This isn't an earth-shattering format for any kind of review, but take note of a few things that make Red Letter Media's half in the bag slightly different from its competition. It's about more than one person. There is back and forth, different opinions, and differing strengths. One host might be more in-depth with the film itself, while another might dig into the commentary, while still another may be more laudatory or snarky. Most episodes are longer than 40 minutes. These are detail-driven critiques that give specific illustration and points of view. They're not about hot takes, but about really getting into why they like or dislike something. There's not a lot of direct fan interaction. The creators behind Red Letter Media don't completely divorce themselves from audiences, but their aim is to give their opinion their way, making sure that the voice and their biases are consistent, rather than fluctuating due to the tastes of a fickle online crowd. You can probably think of other film critics who eschew this format. Some are singletons who give their own opinion. Some are short takes that focus on, is this good or not? Or perhaps, you will like, dislike this if you are a fan of such and such. Some creators want fan interaction and call out for it. There is nothing wrong with any of these decisions. Those creators who use these mechanics or others are doing so willfully. And you'll note that it doesn't take too many to carve yourself a nice little niche with your primary offering. So let's discuss that niche of yours. If you're taking part in the prompts, I want you to pull out a piece of paper or your laptop. We're going to really look at what you're offering to audiences. In a paragraph, write down what your major offering is. Not the plot or characters, but what the substance of the medium is. Is this a 32-page fantasy manga that pays homage to the works of Miyazaki? A series of 15-second TikTok dance videos that are instructional and riffable? An ad campaign of one-minute commercials with an ever-building story? You can add as many pragmatic details as you'd like, but try to push it out to a full paragraph detailing its format, its length, how it's distributed, on what channel it appears or will appear, and other such elements. Take your time. You don't have to write down every bit of your work, particularly if you're in the planning stages. You should try to build a basis for what this offering is at its core, because we will be reflecting on it for our future prompts. Pause here if you need to, and when you're ready, hit play. Half in the Bag, while currently the primary offering from Red Letter Media, wasn't what catapulted the show to fame. It took a little bit of time for the channel to find its footing. Sure, now there's DVDs, merchandise, con appearances, and much else, but for a long time, Red Letter Media was a group of friends and colleagues producing sketches and media critiques for an audience of thousands and tens of thousands. That all changed with their first viral hit, Mr. Plinkett's review of Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. Star Wars The Phantom Menace was the most disappointing thing since my son. I mean, how much more could you possibly f*** up the entire backstory to Star Wars? In it, the fictional Mr. Plinkett, an unseen psychopath with a vast knowledge of cinematic theory and history, gives a long-form review of the first Star Wars prequel and why it's awful, intercut with footage that alludes to the fact that Plinkett might be a murderer. Hey, just let me go. I promise I won't say anything. I'll do anything. Just let me go. Quiet, I'm making my YouTube Star Wars review. Unlike Red Letter Media's standard film reviews, Mr. Plinkett's critique was a multi-part series. In seven entries, bit by bit, frame by frame, element by element, the fictional film lover eviscerates George Lucas's film. Without saying one word of awkward, boring, political dialogue that goes on for ten minutes, we know everything we need to know just by the visuals. We get a sense of how small and ill-equipped the rebels are and how large and powerful the Empire is. The low angle implies dominance and the length of the Star Destroyer implies the long reach of the Empire. This shot says everything we need to know without saying one word. In fact, this is so genius, I have a feeling that George Lucas had nothing to do with it and probably fought against putting it in the movie. Revealing why audiences both consciously and subconsciously hated it. 
Even if you're a fan of the film, it's a fantastic bit of film criticism, though of course the broad nature of its humor may not be to everybody's tastes. A lot of people did take to it, however, with Red Letter Media racking up millions of views while earning a whole new slew of fans who engaged by this slightly different offering than what was offered to them by others. How different was it? Well, let's compare it to Half in the Bag. Half in the Bag is about multiple viewpoints. Mr. Plinkett is a single, albeit twisted, POV. Half in the Bag is a single, medium-length entry. Mr. Plinkett is several shorter entries that add up to a longer critique overall, 70 minutes or longer compared to the Half in the Bag's 40. Half in the Bag has scripted elements, notably in the opening sketches, but it's mostly outlined and discussed rather than typed down. Mr. Plinkett is a scripted piece of commentary, with humor interwoven throughout the entries. Among much else, but for our purposes, this is enough. Mr. Plinkett and Half in the Bag are from the same production crew and have the same kind of humor and the same tastes in media, obviously, but the format is very different. This is the nature of a good secondary offering for your audience. It is close enough to your initial material that your fans will like it, but divergent enough that new fans may find it more palatable. Note how this works both ways. You offer your fans more content that expands your story world, as well as the way they engage with you, while also taking a safe change. If your secondary offering isn't quite to the style of old fans or new, you can let it die a quiet death, without it affecting your brand too much. If you get it right, however, you will have created another touch point for your audience. So let's build that secondary offering for your own work. I want you to build another series of episodes, another comic book, another piece in your story world. It should still be the same medium, another streaming video or another comic book or whatever it is that you're working on, but it should differ in at least three ways. Build those differences first, then come back to what this content could be. These differing elements will be the prompts for whatever content you will create. To help aid you, look back to your initial prompt and consider, is this new piece longer or shorter? Is it from a singular voice or numerous voices? Is it more authoritative or more humorous? Is it darker or lighter? Is it scripted or unscripted? Whatever it may be, make sure you choose three differences and write them down. After that, I want you to choose three elements that will be the same. You don't want to change this offering too much. After all, your fans have come or will have come to appreciate the work you create. It should be distinct, but similar. Write down three elements, tone, presenter, style, aesthetic, whatever, that will remain the same. When you've got those six bits down, three differences and three similarities, I want you to write out at least two pitch paragraphs for two potential offerings. Let's call them spin offerings. I say two because I want you to always think of several ways to make your story world work for you. There is a saying in documentary filmmaking, shoot your footage with one eye open. You should always be on the lookout for what is happening just off camera. You should create your story world in the same way. Keep focused on what you're crafting, but always be on the lookout for new ways to expand. In this way, you'll always be thinking through what you're offering. Maybe one of these two is perfect, or maybe both are okay, so you combine them to make something better. Do try to make them distinct and different. Once you're finished with all that, we can continue. Or rather, we can conclude, because we're on to our last bit of this episode, and the last bit of your offerings, the recap. You'll note that after an arc of content, I always give a recap episode filled with the prompts from prior episodes. It's a way to give my audience a chance to listen through all the exercises I've given out without having to jump around or back and forth. As a peek behind the curtain, these are always my least listened to episodes, at least at first, and that's not a shock. Without context, these prompts aren't useful for most of my listeners. They are there for a specific subset of fans, those who want to try their hand at world building again and again, or perhaps those who want to exercise their imagination. That last bit is why these episodes grow. With each passing month, the numbers increase, because those superfans are the kind of people who don't just want to build one world, but want to build many. They want to be taken through the process multiple times. They have the skill, but want something to keep them on the straight and narrow. That is the power of a good recap. 
an offering that sums up a bit of content for the engaged, turning them into hyper-engaged. It closes the loop on the three major kinds of offerings that your story world provides. Your primary offering. The episodes or channels or pieces of media that are indicative of your overall effort. The secondary offering. The work that expands your audience, either by giving more to your current fans or by wooing new audiences. The recap. The stuff that satiates the most interested of those who traverse your story universe. In other words, standard, expansionary, insular. That's a bit highbrow, so let's look to two of the channels that Red Letter Media provides for its audience, Review and Best of the Worst. The former, Review, are reviews of films or shows that have come out in the past. Some are classics, others are cult classics. Others are those that were popular at one point but have since lost some shine. I never thought this day would come because nobody else cares about Freddy Krueger, but we're going to talk about all the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. This is like a dream come true for me. Best of the Worst is a quick summary review of numerous films mostly overlooked or perhaps not quite up to snuff that Red Letter Media and perhaps critics in general didn't manage to capture properly. For, for, for the record, this is a fake DVD we have printed out. But yes. The, the description on the back, it comes straight from IMDb. Yes, it these is, are accurate. It is the official description of the movie. Okay, so Josh, tell us about Mega Lightning. Well, Mega Lightning, who, after a violent thunderstorm scares a house party... <laughs> Official, you say? After a violent thunderstorm. Like dogs? Is it a house party of dogs? <laughs> Both are recaps of a sort, and each functions as a way to engage their most committed fans. Review is half in the bag, but without the skits, focused entirely on the discussion and cinematic critique. Best of the Worst condenses multiple episodes of Half in the Bag into one episode. The functionality is the same, however. There are those fans who trust the opinion of Red Letter Media's creators. They want a little extra. They want to have a guide, or a docent, perhaps, who can help them traverse this wild media landscape. Fans of television will be familiar with this kind of structure. Classic sitcoms always employed clip shows, both as a cost-saving measure and as a way to get audiences up to speed if they missed a critical episode. Tonight we're here to honor America's favorite non-prehistoric cartoon family. You'll see long-lost footage, never-before-seen material from your favorite episodes, old favorites you can't see in syndication. So join me, won't you, for The Simpsons' 138th episode, Spectacular. Films, meanwhile, occasionally indulge in the recap or opening exposition to help reorient audiences that have been away for a while. The recap, in other words, has a very specific function. It helps to center an appreciative audience. It may also help to give a highlights package to new audiences, but that's secondary. It is primarily for the biggest of fans, helping them to sort through all the various offerings that have come before. Let's take Red Letter Media's example, specifically with its look at Ghostbusters. As Ghostbusters answered the call, also known as Ghostbusters 2016, and simply Ghostbusters was coming out, Red Letter Media crafted a triptych of works. First up, they did a review of the original early 80s Ghostbusters. We're doing our review episode on, I would say, probably both of our, one of our favorite films of all time, yeah, it's fair yeah. to say that. Uh, Ghostbusters, a film that has molded our lives. Uh, because look where we are now. Next, the actual review of the 2016 Ghostbusters via Half in the Bag, going into extensive detail as to how the film worked, or, from their perspective, how it didn't work. Well, and ultimately, we don't do a lot of 
just straight up comedies on Half in the Bag because there's only so many ways you can say it just wasn't funny. But this movie, it just wasn't funny. Finally, there was a Mr. Plinkett review of Ghostbusters Answer the Call that delved deep into the channel's reasoning behind their negative review. Where, where do I begin, my friends? It's amazing just how wrong this film is. It's like putting a Jackson Pollock painting in an art gallery during a realism exhibit. I'm not normally a fan of content that's overly critical, and if I'm being honest, I do prefer the 2016 version of Ghostbusters to the later Ghostbusters Afterlife. But for our purposes, this shows how the offerings of Red Letter Media, and perhaps your own story world, can engage fans in numerous ways in a harmonious package. First, there's the context, or here, their review, the recap. Red Letter Media is showing why they think so highly of the original Ghostbusters. It reminds audiences of the brilliance of that film and explains why they will be particularly discerning with the new movie. It has big shoes to fill. Next, there's the primary content, the half-in-the-bag review of the remake of Ghostbusters. Mike, Jay, and Rich pull no punches, but they go through the entire process, giving a fair shake to a film that they feel does not hit the mark. The audience gets their primary offering of why they come to Red Letter Media, a biased but honest discussion from the creators. Lastly, there's the Plinkett review. If you really want to get beyond the banter, if you really want to know why Red Letter Media doesn't like this film, you can go minute by minute, character by character, choice by choice to learn why that is. You'll note that this is not in order of primary, secondary recap offerings, but instead recap primary and secondary. You can do this too. The structure works so long as you're offering your audience multiple things. Let's say that you have a podcast recap of your television show. It will probably come out after your primary offering has aired, but your secondary offering, a spin-off, may come much later. In other words, the order doesn't matter. What matters is that you're offering your audience a chance to engage with your story world on multiple levels. Primary, secondary, and recap offerings. There's a lot of nuance here, and there are more examples, but for now, those are enough. Well, it's not enough yet. We need to see how you would create a recap for your work. If you've been following along with the prompts, now is the time for our last exercise. With journal, paper, pen, or word processor at the ready, I want you to create three basic pitches for how you would offer a recap for your work with the following prompts. 1. What would a quick recap look, sound, or read like at the top of your work? This is known as the previously on yada yada. If you're working in television, the method is clear, but in other formats, you may need to think a little. You need an opening teaser to reorient audiences? Does your novel have a basic overview? Does the inside flap of your comic recap the last issue? You may not need it or use it, but do consider what to work with here, if you were pushed. 2. How could you create a recap episode, a clip show, or a greatest hits album, or a comic annual that recounts the greatest adventures of the year? Once again, you just need to pitch this idea. Don't go into too much detail. Just think about what the basic format of this would be like. 3. How could you create a standalone entry or episode in your work that gives greater context to other stuff in your story world? That is, this kind of story should be able to function on its own in the same way that Red Letter Media's review of the original Ghostbusters works on its own, but, when paired with more of your work, will reveal a greater truth. This is the hardest prompt of the bunch, and it's also one of the most potent. If you can give your audiences a reason to care about what has happened in the past and make it stand on its own, you'll be pushing your audiences to re-engage with you. You're offering your work and re-offering what you've given in the past. Getting this right has the potential to increase your numbers, increase your engagement, and increase your appeal to fans. It's not easy, so definitely consider multiple approaches. Each of these is an offering of its own kind. You can offer all three kinds of entries of this last prompt, or perhaps you're content with only one. Regardless, if you've been following along with the prompts you've considered, your primary entry and how it functions on a pragmatic level, your secondary entry, one that expands your work for fans and non-fans alike, 
your recap, which helps guide superfans toward more content so that they can re-engage with you. By doing each, you'll be offering fans at least one way to engage with your work. You won't be hard-selling them on your Patreon. You'll be seducing them with more stuff. You'll be wooing them with more work. You'll be giving them the option by which they engage with you. That's a powerful motivator because it gives audiences the control. They have the agency to chart the waters of your story universe. And, as we have said numerous times, giving your audience agency is critical to making them active participants in your narrative universe. That's all the time we have for today, however. Tune in next episode as we get to the last bit of the vowels. Utility! How to make small bits of instruction hyper-engaging so that audiences feel indebted to you. If you like what you've heard here, please subscribe to Building a Better Story World on Stitcher, Spotify, Audible, or wherever you get your podcasts. Check me out on steelphilippec.com or on Twitter at Words of Steel or at Building ABSW. I hope to hear from you and can't wait to see what offerings of your story world you're ready to share with the real one. Building a Better Story World is written, produced, recorded, and sound engineered by Steel Tyler Filipek. The theme song, Asia, is by Ilya Marfin via icons8.com. All narrative clips are used under the Fair Use Doctrine, as defined by Title 17 of the United States Code, subsection 107, in that they are used for nonprofit educational work for the purpose of analysis, have been transformed from their initial records by audio engineering for podcasting, and are not substantive of the entire work or function as a direct market substitute. Audio effects are provided by freesound.org under the Creative Commons license. If you feel that this production has unfairly used a piece of audio to which you own the rights, please contact helmstarmedia at gmail.com.